It's a film with three brains. 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 Oh my god, you guys are freaks. I don't see any evidence of mental illness at all. And I think that you've been trying to put us on all this time. You know, what do you want me to do? You know. You know what I mean? Is that it? Is that crazy enough for you? Want me to take a shit on the floor? <laughs> Christ. Have you ever heard the old saying, a rolling stone gathers no moss? Yeah. Does that mean something to you? Uh, it's the same as don't wash your dirty underwear in public. I'm not sure I understand what you mean. Well, that sort of has always meant is, uh, it's hard for something to grow on something that's moving. <laughs> Do you gentlemen have any more questions? I don't have any more, but uh, perhaps you do. Do you have a question, McMurphy? Where do you suppose she lives? Hello, and welcome to the film with three brains. This is Sean in Chicago. Mm, this is Cohen in Maplewood, New Jersey. Sam. San <laughs> Sam the the strength what's the Sam what's the Sam killer in New York Sam the Sam there son, of Sam? son of Sam that's it yes <laughs> there is not one all right well uh Sam wherever you are um we are going to talk about one flew over the cuckoo's nest and from 1975 Directed by Milos Forman. Milos? Milos? I always want to say Milos for some reason. Yeah, one of those. All right. Um, based on a book by Ken Kesey. Uh, became a play, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's obviously a pretty old movie, pretty well-known movie. And uh, this was my second time seeing it. And I was amazed at how much I did not remember about it. Hmm. Because I think it's there's a lot of great scenes and a lot of stuff going on, but for some reason, all I could remember was um, the very end. Because I think it's kind of part of pop culture now. Um, and just as a warning, there's huge spoilers. So if you plan on watching this movie, watch this movie and don't don't listen to us first because we're gonna spoil the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is one of those things that, that you know, a lot of the movies we we talk about are really good. And this is the case where this one, a lot of other people think are really good, too. So I agree <laughs> that if you want to, it's, I mean, it's in the AFI's top 100 movies as, as number 33. So if you actually are like, huh, I should go watch it first, because this one actually might be as good as these guys think, um, then yeah, pause it right now. Okay, you're back. When well, we can go. <laughs> uh, had anyone else seen it multiple times or yes. several times? Yeah. I've seen it, I don't know, a handful of times. I'm not quite sure how many. I'd say probably, this is probably maybe the fourth or fifth time I'd seen it. And I've read the book too. I wish I had read the book because I'm... Me too. I've read one of his other books. Sometimes a Great Notion. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, I would say that sometimes a great notion is probably my, if I had to pick my favorite book I've ever read, it's probably that. Wow, really? Yeah. Something. Wait, wait, wait! I know this is movie review, but now I got to hear why. Uh, I, 
it's really hard to say. Have you read it? Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. The, 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 the style of the writing is very, it's difficult, you know, mm -hmm. because he never really, he never, he never says who is speaking or thinking. If mm -hmm. you recall, it's just characters. And at first, you know, it, it, it's very inaccessible. It's difficult. It's hard to understand what's going on. It's hard to understand who's speaking, who's thinking, whose point of view it is. But once you figure it out and you sort of fall into the rhythm of his writing, it's it's just mind blowing how, how well written it is. Hmm. There are, you know, it, it's it's I mean, it's one of many books that I read and thought I could never write anything even close to this good. I couldn't do it. I'm not capable of it. Oh, I mean, yeah, but that's why it's a great book. I mean, <laughs> right. if anybody could do it, there'd be a million of them. <laughs> right. But it just... But it, uh, I agree with you. It's it, 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 uh, To me, it's, you know, this is a story about like two different, two totally different brothers in the same family who, you know, um, I know we're going to come back to a, a movie that's also worth discussing, but, but to me, kind of like the the way like their angers and and feelings towards each other evolve is so masterfully written mm -hmm. um like i think that that as a movie going person i think of things as action and to see it when it's not necessarily action but but an evolution of thought to me is is i always really appreciate and that's something that that book had um you, you know the the, the 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 young or the the main character i think the way he evolves and and what it builds up to is is just masterfully done yeah agreed and it um more more so than any other book i've ever read i uh, when i read sometimes a great notion it it um it reminded me of john steinbeck who is one of my favorite authors but i found it perhaps superior to even my favorite john steinbeck books I know there's just some something sometimes great notion just really struck me. I had a very visceral, strong, positive reaction to it, and I was super impressed by it, hmm. and I loved it. Okay, so what about and, One Flew and so, Over the Cuckoo's Nest? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a fantastic book. I'd probably put it in I don't know maybe like my top twenty books of all time. It's excellent, you know, and it, it, the book is all told from the 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 chief's point of view. Okay, that's what and I was curious he, about. Yeah, he—it's all his sort of observations. It's here, his narration, you know, his thoughts on what's going on around him. It's part of the reason I think um, Ken Kesey sort of uh, hated the movie. Oh, the right, right. Key omissions from the book and the and the the shift in in point of view. Uh, I believe I read somewhere that it enraged him <laughs> um, to the point where I don't think he's ever actually seen the movie. Well, he, yeah, sued, he sued them, right? Yeah, he sued them, yes. And they settled out of court for some mm -hmm. fee. <laughs> so that's a bit awkward, but I mean, I get it. I mean, if you have a very clear vision mm -hmm. and then someone, sure. you know. Sort of, um, sort of Stephen King-ish with the, with the Shining. Yeah. You know, yeah. Stanley Kubrick makes this fucking masterpiece that everybody loves, except the author who hates it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which right. just like this, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is only the second film to win all five of the major Oscar categories. And Ken Kesey hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, it's important for our aspiring writers out there. Um, we, we have a lot of them in the audience that, um, that, you know, the things that a good agent will tell you that you're selling, the moment you sell the right to stop thinking about the book, you yeah. know, that 
that it's not yours. And I mean, there's very few people, I mean, you know, ready player one, sure. You get to, you, the author gets to be, you know, and negotiates being part right. of the creation of the film, mm -hmm. but that's super rare for the most part. Everybody's warned. It's just yeah. once it's sold, stay away from it. <laughs> yep. You know, because it's not your thing anymore. Right. And, the, and the thing is, is it, you know, for part of me is like, you know what? Like you, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. You kind of get the idea anyway. But if you read the book, you actually get to understand where it comes from, mm -hmm. and that is omitted from the movie. And yeah. And but at the same time, I like the way that they they ended up having Chief be a character and in that and in the you know so it's i don't know i i for a lot of things i try to separate it as yeah this is a movie inspired by a book and and try to think of it as two different things sure it's, you don't want to read them right next to it you know, yeah. right next to seeing the movie yeah some mm -hmm. things just don't translate you know on a screen something it's just yeah. inevitable i mean you can't you can't take an 800 page book and make you know a hundred minute movie or two hour movie and be completely faithful. It's impossible, you know. So you got to basically pick out the key things, you know, the you know the sort of the the soul of it, and and go from there. And I think they did a pretty good job of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ken Kesey, I think in both these books, both these, well, yeah, they they um, are centered around Oregon, and I think he's pretty mm -hmm. familiar with that. And I think he's his characters seem grounded. He just seems to know his way around, which always helps. Yeah. Establish a something. Anyway, I mean, it's, it, there's gotta be a tie between how good the movie is and how, and the source material. So we'll give him props for that. But yeah, it did. It wasn't really his vision became Milos Foreman's version of it. And it had kind of yeah. a windy road. I mean, obviously it wasn't, uh, it was, um, Michael, du I saw a Michael Douglas producer, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, and I was like, "Huh, is that the same guy?" And it obviously is. Mm -hmm. And his dad, Kirk, played it uh, on in a play. I mean, he played he played uh, what's his name? Murphy, <laughs> Murphy, Harpy Murphy. <laughs> Murphy. Um, but then I, you know, so then I think he gave the rights to to Michael Douglas, and by that time, Kirk was too old to play the part. So, yeah. He was going to sell him, and Michael Douglas was like, well, maybe I'll produce it, because yeah. he, he had never produced a film before, and he was interested, yeah. and so he did. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Paid off well. Yeah, but yeah, pretty pretty good out of the gate there, Michael. <laughs> um, you want to give a synopsis? Sure. Uh, sure. Um, okay, so R.P. McMurphy comes from a work farm. He's in, from the prison system, and is initially really happy to be in a mental institution because he feels like he's out, he's out of jail. However, he's being evaluated his, you know, his psychiatric condition is being evaluated by the staff. And, um, as he becomes more involved in the daily life of the other people there, he becomes more disillusioned, more upset with the, the conditions and the, and the things that are happening, you know, to everyone there, to all the, the patients. Um, and eventually he picks out, um, I don't know if, he, I mean, he's, he kind of starts as a dare, but he antagonizes the head nurse, her, Nurse Ratchet. And Nurse Ratchet has, a, you know, has a need to have things orderly and 
and R.P. McMaster is a McMurphy, sorry, is a um, an agent of chaos, if nothing else. I mean, he's a very uh, uh, charismatic guy, and he and the other patients like him. And this is bad for Nurse Ratchet because she wants order and she wants things to run smoothly and people to take their medication and all that kind of stuff. So the con- the main conflict is between those two characters, and it plays out until you know a bit a big conclusion and and sort of the matter is settled um uh mcmurphy loses <laughs> uh but there's more to it than that and there's a lot there's a lot of other things happening but it's a great ensemble story because of um well i don't know why it's i mean there's probably reasons for that but it's a great ensemble cast a lot of famous people in it um but that's the gist of it did i miss any big points there I mean, Ratchet, the institution. Uh, I I think at some point he he it is explained that he is committed, and many of his buddies there are there voluntarily. Right, and that's kind well, of a turning point. Yeah, I mean, he. Th- it's a little gray when they when they talk about him being committed. You know, he's they don't really. I feel like yeah, there's sort of 68 a, days. Like, oh, I feel like I'm, there's I'm a default even... there. Like if, if you're stuck there, if you're transferred from the prison system, I feel like you're defaulted to committed, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the possible outcomes were, but not what right. he thought, which is he, he thought, thought he'd he just serve his sentence there. Right. <laughs> like they commuted his sentence to. Right. The, yes. Which I don't know. Is that a thing that doesn't seem like a thing to me, but I don't know much about it. I mean, usually that's subtle at trial. I mean, if you, if you plead insanity right. and then you're, you know, that's part of, that's your, that becomes mm. your, your fate, but you know, to go from the work prison. So the, one of the things I like about it is when he gets in there and he's playing it cool and then they undo his cuffs and then he does a, you know, shouts and dances and kisses one of the guards and, mm-hmm. you know, so we, we understand that he's, this is how he feels about it going in and then he talks to I pretty soon after that he talks to the administrator who is the actual the the guy that plays them is the actual administrator of the facility hmm oh no wonder he played it so perfectly I know (laughs) Uh, I think they kind of ad-libbed that scene too they because he kind of went the administrator guy kind of went through the spiel he normally he really does and they just had Jack Nicholson, you know, play off of that in character. And it seems, it's seems seamless. It seems real. And cause it is very real. And imagine, you know, have, filming in a, an actual facility like that with the, you know, I bet that helps get people in the, in character and set the mood. And yeah. I can't believe, I really can't believe that, that the, you know, two principal actors actually witnessed a, um, electroshock therapy <laughs> in action. That's crazy to think about now. Yeah. I think electroshock therapy in general is pretty crazy to think about. I don't know when that was discontinued, but it... I, I know it still goes on. Does so it... there a uh, little thing here though, is that they sedate and um, like they put people under anesthesia to do it so that the muscles don't all, all spasm. Okay. Um, you know, it's use a paralytic, um, but it, uh, it's still used for refractory um, uh, depression 
and it actually, uh, you know, does work. Um, it's not great, but when you've have people who are so depressed that nothing else works that they, you know, nobody's forcing people to do this. It's not, it's well, not good. like the movie, but yeah. it's still used. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually seen it used and, and, um, I remember my surprise when I was going through training being like, Oh my gosh, I thought this was something from the 1960s. <laughs> so yeah, it is still used and I know it's still used today hmm. actually. Yeah. Well, what makes it scary in the movie is that they, they take it to the point of lobotomization. Yep. Um, so that's why it's, I, that's, that's basically what, what in my memory of this movie, it was like a lot of people getting lobotomized <laughs> <laughs> and in reality, there's really very little of that. And they, they actually only show it once. Yeah. And, uh, that's somewhere in the middle and he comes out on, actually he fakes like he was zombified and then he, and then he smiled, he winks and smiles at everybody mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm oh, fine. And there's, yeah. I mean, I was, I was thinking a lot about cool hand Luke, the way he, sure. he sort of has to push against authority and that he's, he's a leader. He's, yeah, he's a leader of this group and, and, and sort of the, the whole spirit of the, of the group goes with yeah. the leader, you know, the, mm-hmm. what, what he does makes. And I, and I literally like, you know, the the fun scenes where they you know it's wrong you know they're not well like the the first one i can think of is uh the world series one he he gets shot down by nurse ratchet in his little you know they were having a democratic vote about you know can we move the group therapy and so we can watch the world series and you know she has kind of a rigged vote and his response is to pretend to watch the baseball game and get everyone riled up (laughs) And, you know, to the point where Nurse Ratchet is then yelling at him to, to quit it, calm down and everything, you know. So, I think that's probably, I mean, it's not explicit, but that's when she seems to realize she's up against a worthy adversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to watch her because at first you're like, okay, she's just one of these rule followers or is she really evil? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you can't, like, you see, you see like, okay, is she just... Does she realize that she just has to take control of this guy who's a little too sane to be in in there, or is is she really a bad person? And you know, as it goes on, I think everybody's going to conclude she's she's a bad person. Um, but uh, she doesn't make it onto the AFI villains list in spot number five. Wow! Of yeah, of the best villains. They, 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 but they're, so they define villain though, is a person who is wicked or selfish. Um, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, I think the villain is, is a little bit redefined for the AFI list. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, ultimately a, a person who's, you know, prone to create tragedy. Um, so yeah, number five. I thought I, I thought maybe if it, if they remade the list today, she might not be number five. But um, you know, when you look at the ones above her, that of, of things that stick in your mind, you can probably pick out two of the the top four without even thinking very long. As far as villains you like to watch, um, mm-hmm. but uh, you want to go for it, Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's all we got. That's all. That's only <laughs> he's only number three. Oh, uh, well, Hannibal Lecter is going to be on there. You bet. Number yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because of the sign of the times, number two is Norman Norman Bates. You yeah. know, I, like I, like I said, I, okay. I don't know. I think that things might get watched and moved around a little bit, but they were, you know, those were people you like to watch them. But then they, I mean, they put the alien in there, so it was like. Okay, obviously, if we were making this list, <laughs> the alien would be a little higher up on there. Yeah, but anyway. Oh, yeah. the alien. You mean as? Yeah. You mean like the alien? Yes. But I mean, <laughs> is that really? I mean, that's not. It's I not think that's really terrible. Vi- that's a terrible villain because it's an animal with instincts and it has no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you you make it scary, but they're animals. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be a villain. <laughs> I'm gonna cut the power. <laughs> and the Terminator's on there too. Freddy Krueger's on there. Yeah, yeah. that's a good villain. Jack Nicholson is the Joker. Hmm. I guess I just like villains that talk. That's what I'm saying. I, no, know, I agree. Yeah. I mean, Jack Nicholson as the Joker is to me way up there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, sure. Like you, you, and he's there to double up. But and even watching part of this, I was like, oh, I can see some of the Joker in him when he's yeah. when he's in this movie. And yeah, for, I for, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, I was gonna. I was just gonna say I I had forgotten about Batman when we I said oh we had done a bad movie of Jack Nicholson's but I'd forgotten about Batman so yeah I did too. Actually, when I earlier when I was saying about how authors who hate their their books or the films based on their books, I didn't even real. It didn't even occur to me that Jack Nicholson was in The Shining as well as this. Right. Yeah. And yes. well, him and and Scatman. And Scatman. Yeah. Yeah. Feel bad for him. He's probably the the biggest victim of this this whole thing. <laughs> He's just trying to do his job, and they have an all out not orgy, but you know, really a big party while on his watch. Although, I mean, he kind of he fell into it. He, he fell into it. it to occur. Yeah. He, he yeah. He was he could have put his foot down, and he didn't. But yeah, I think as as a as a villain, I like that she is pretty. I don't want to say relatable. She just like she's still doing her job. And I remember the first time I re- my thoughts of her were, oh yeah, she's horrible. You know, man, I hate looking at her. You know, like just having these memories of not liking her. And then this mm-hmm. time I was, <laughs> I don't know if it's age or what, probably is, but I kept thinking, man. I wouldn't want to wake up and walk into work and look at all that shit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I had some sympathy for her, Yeah, but I think that's good. I think, I think she has to be a real believable person, you know, yeah. that actually is doing her job. Yeah. She's not, I mean, she does push, push, you know, the envelope, push the line of, mm-hmm. of what's, what's acceptable as part of her job, but, and her methods are weird, but it, she's doing her job. So yeah. She said, Louise Fletcher said in interviews that she decided that the character did care about the patients and thought she was doing what was best for them, but she was, you know, misguided. Yeah. Um, that, I and felt then, that. I, yeah. This time. And I, I, I felt it more, I, I guess, I've seen this movie a few times, but it has been a while since I've seen it last. And I had... <sighs> I don't know if I had forgotten or just my perception is different, but this time I had, I found her far less, um, like despicable, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, she sucks. Until the end. But, 
but also I'm just kind of like, all right. I mean, she's just she's just someone doing things wrong because she thinks that it's right. That's a very common right. malady. Yeah, she's amongst, a hardliner. Amongst, she's amongst severe. Amongst humans. Right. You know, like, you know. <laughs> Fortunately, only, we're not human. The only, time I'll ever, <laughs> the only time I'll ever quote Patch Adams, which is a terrible movie, <laughs> is, is when he says, Robin Williams tells Philip Seymour Hoffman that he forgets how young he is to think that he has to be an asshole to get things done and to think that it's a new concept. <laughs> and, you know, she sort of falls into that category where she thinks being this like hard-lined individual is necessary to, to achieve a certain result. Right. And unfortunately, she's wrong. And then I remember another thing that said she was so disturbed by her own performance that she couldn't watch the movie for many years. Mm. I couldn't (laughs) believe that. That's good acting. (laughs) (laughs) She only got $10,000. Yeah. Minus taxes and stuff. You know, she was saying, oh, yeah, Nicholson. I think Nicholson got a percentage or something. He He did. So. Yeah. He did it for a reduced salary, but for a percentage of the profits. He did the same thing on Batman and it made him like a hundred million dollars. Crazy. So I I mean, but I I would like, I would like to know how much he would have had if he had just been paid Mm -hmm. a salary for this because yeah, I mean, I guess she's not well known, but still 10,000 bucks seems paltry even for those days. Yeah. Even for 1975, it seems kind of low for a major Hollywood film. And, and, you know, Oscar winner at that. I mean, I guess yeah. they don't, they don't pay you based on future awards, but. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she said she didn't wear any makeup. She had some Vaseline on and she had the crazy hair, hairdo. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she has, it's a lot of react. I mean, there's a lot of reaction shots in the whole thing because it's really important Just like the baseball scene I was talking about. We're looking at like Christopher Lloyd <laughs> looking at Jack Nicholson and then looking at the TV, like he's expecting to see something there, you know, like mm-hmm. that, all of those little touches yeah. are really important. There's it's, it's yeah, it's a very, um, I don't know what you call it. You know, when, it, when a movie is based on the acting itself. I mean, there's really, I mean, there aren't a lot of things that have happen, mm-hmm. uh, at least outside of the the hospital, there's basically yeah. two excursions. Or wait, the two. Well, ex- just the one, one right? big excursion. First, yeah, the fishing trip. The fishing trip, and there's some you know basketball and the mm-hmm. stuff, and but yeah, it's that's still in the grounds. Yeah, the cast is great, and it you know it's it's interesting because especially I I don't know especially but just us being the age we are, you know when you see Danny DeVito, you know it's hard not to think. Of, you know, maybe it's always sunny in Philadelphia or taxi or whatever. Mm-hmm. Twins. Like, twins. <laughs> twins. Yeah, sure. Twins. But, you know, in this, he's, you know, it's a, it's a, this is a, like a serious role he's playing. Yeah. He has almost no dialogue. He just smiles a lot. He just smiles like, a lot. He's, he's great. Or, or even TV. like Christopher Lloyd, who everyone just thinks of as, yeah. you know, back to the future or again, taxi. Yeah. And he's fantastic, too. He's so good. Yeah. He gets the and, last reaction shot of the movie, too. Yeah. And Bra- Brad Dorif, 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 um, you know, 
he's the voice of Chucky, you know, in Child's Play. That's what he <laughs> I knew you were going to say Chucky. You know, and he, you know, he has a prominent role in the Lord of the Rings movies, but, yeah, you know, other than that, it's mostly just a series of villains in B-movies, you know, but he's great in this. It's very good, yeah. You're calling Dune a B-movie? Oh, yeah, he's in Dune. David Lynch's? Yeah. <laughs> I think the movie is being kind to that wretched turd. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and the other guy, you know, the other character, or the other actors are whose names I don't remember are all great. I particularly like the dude um, with the mustache who's always bitching about his wife. Yes. And he's always, like, getting angry, but he never does anything, you know. He yeah. was great. I'm he was good. Blanking on his characters. I said Cheswick? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he has the yeah. wife? I thought right, that guy. Had... Oh, no, no, wait. No, Cheswick. Oh, wait. The guy was playing cards in the beginning and the end. and um, but Cheswick has the, the horn room glasses and he's oh, okay. very no, no, emotional. No. Yeah, not Cheswick. Not him. Not him. The other guy. Yeah. Uh, whose name I don't recall. <laughs> yeah, I, the first um, therapy. So basically, he gets to he gets there. He you know kind of makes friends with a few people. Chief first, and then I mean he doesn't make friends. He set, talks to them. Talks to some other people, and then it's the first um, sit down with Ratchet, and they. I can't remember what they're talking about, but I, I really like how little Jack Nicholson does. Right, you know, because you kind of when it when it starts, you're like, oh, is he just gonna like be chatty, Kathy, this whole time? He's just gonna talk over everybody, and it's really not the case. It's he's he's kind of sits back and watches and laughs at some things, and there's something about that that made me really like it a lot more. Like, really yeah. feel like we've we've gone with him into this new place, and and we're listening to you know, we're meeting these people like he's meeting these people. It's not really just about him. It's not about him. It's about all of them. It's about this place. Yeah. And what crazy shit that happens there. So mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite scenes. I can't really, I don't know. I can't put my finger on why, but. Did you guys spot the one in uh, the one uh, patient uh, who was in weird science in the Hills Have Eyes? Oh uh, yeah. What is it? Um, He's the he's the weird looking bald dude. He was he was basically just sort of laying on a in a hospital uh, bed. You're, you're talking about in the Goonies? Uh, no, sloth? no, 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 not sloth. Sloth was a football player. No. Um, oh yeah, yeah, with the weird head. Yeah, yeah, with the weird. Because in the party, he's getting a bunch of juice in his <laughs> mouth and stuff. And yes, yeah. he's in the motorcycle gang in weird yes. science. Yeah, in weird he's science. Like, did you not tell anybody about this? I'd yeah. have to lose my teaching job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's like one of the cannibals in the Hills Have Eyes. Oh, okay. Anyway, he's in there. His character's name is Alice, but they never refer to him as that. He's he's only in like two shots. Huh. But he's pretty recognizable. He's a weird looking dude. Yeah. it's it's. I like that too, because there's the casting is... I mean, there are some weird looking people, but not, you know, not really weird. Just sort mm -hmm. of, just a little, they look a little off. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you think about Oscar bait. That's what people like to do is, is mental illness. You know, like they talk mm -hmm. about in uh, 
<laughs> Tropic Thunder, you know, the <laughs> <laughs> right. I never go full retard, you know, that's that stuff. <laughs> right. Um, but, but it really is kind of like interesting that these people are just making up, you know, a backstory, an illness. They don't really talk about what's wrong with any, I mean, from a clinical perspective, you're like, well, what are they, what is this therapy that they're doing? You know, what, what are they talking about? But, yeah. but as, you know, as characters, they're really, yeah, Billy has a stutter. Uh, yeah, DeVito just kind of smiles and is just goofy a lot. And, but they're all, they're all really developed characters. They really f- seem like real people. Yeah. Like I never questioned, you know, who, who was, I didn't think about who was acting, who was not, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, people that don't have any lines, you just think, okay, maybe they, they might be extras. They might be actual patients, which were still in there when mm-hmm. they were shooting. But yeah, it's it's um, it's right up my alley for some reason. I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, it's I can't fucking believe- great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like good movies. That's my thing. <laughs> no, it's you know what it is. The thing I, the thing I like about it is you know you said it earlier about reaction shots you know mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in this movie that's unspoken and it comes through because the cast is so good you know and the director trusted them yeah you know to let them tell the story without you know speaking constantly which is yeah. unnecessary if you've got a great cast well that um, goes back to to the you know ken kesey's you know frustration is he thinks that it should have been narrated and yeah when you have this movie, you realize that you don't need a narration in here right. at all. You know, it stands without it. And I, it, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, a, you know, um, I think it was Steven Spielberg was famously quoted um, that if, you know, if you've made a movie um, that can't be understood with sound off, you failed as a director. And I feel like this is definitely a movie where you could you could watch it muted and, and completely understand everything from start to finish mm-hmm. and not really miss much. And that's a testament, you know, to the filmmaker for sure. And it's part of the reason um, I, I only mention it because it, it came up when I was looking at trivia for this of people who claim this is their favorite movies. Ron Howard is one of the filmmakers who claim this is their favorite movie. And I don't like Ron Howard movies because he doesn't, seem to like to have quiet moments where his actors just emote non-verbally. It feels like his movies, every actor says every little thing that pops into their fucking head immediately when they think it. <laughs> and I hate that. I really hate it. It's one of the things that bothers me most about his movies is every single thought is spoken. And I hate that. <laughs> yeah. I need to mix it up at least. I mean, this has, this has the benefit of one character not speaking for most of the movie. Sure. Um, I would yeah. like to know if that's in the book or not. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It probably is. It is. Maybe they used to, cause he, um, he keeps, it I don't recall if he ever reveals it though. Okay. I can't remember. Cause that's a, that's a interesting moment when he realizes that chief can talk and everyone thinks he's, um, deaf and dumb. And he's just not participating. He's just doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter except for their, you know, their relationship, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, and the reveal scene is fantastic. When yeah. he finally speaks, yeah. when he finally speaks to Jack Nicholson, it's great. <laughs> he gives him some juicy fruit and he says, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> is this movie a comedy? 
I laughed a few times. I wouldn't call it a comedy, but it's funny. It's definitely funny. It has moments of, yeah. you know, there's no jokes. It's just like the inherent, yeah. you know, humor that that's in, you find in the human condition, I guess you'd say. <laughs> I, I just, I, the reason I asked is that, you know, Ebert's first, when Ebert originally reviewed this, he he didn't give it a great review. And he thought that it's a, he, and he describes it as a comedy that doesn't, can't quite hold it. And I was like, it's not a comedy. Not a comedy. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's, it's terribly depressing. Yeah. Um, with moments of humor. Yeah. Because even like the darkest moments of life sometimes have humor in them. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's the way we're wired, man. So the harbor was Depot Bay, Oregon. Mm hmm. And, uh, I thought that that bridge looked familiar to me, but Cohen has probably had yeah, I've been there. some I, experience with it. Family used to live in Newport, which is about a half, uh, 15 minutes south of Depot Bay. Depot Bay is great. It's cool. It's, it's an interesting little small town, you know, center of which is a bridge. <laughs> Have you been there, Sean? <laughs> I know. I just remember the bridge. I know I've yeah. driven through it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're driving down the coast of Oregon, you have to drive through it because there's only one road. Yeah. But... I think it's Highway 101 right there. Yeah. Um yeah, it's cool. I mean, I guess that's... I, Go ahead. When, when I was watching it, I I thought it looked familiar, but I wasn't sure. I couldn't. I didn't instantly place it, which I probably should have. It is pretty unique. Um, but yeah. And the, the hospital is an actual... Is it still function? Well, not the same buildings, but still functional institution in Oregon State yeah. University, I guess. I don't know. It's Corvallis. Oh, my sister went there. Some people went. There. Anyway, it doesn't. There's nothing uh, important about it, but it just it like I said before, it just sort of feels grounded in that mm-hmm. that place. Sure. A little gray. Yeah. Which Oregon's I mean, gray. Ken Kesey grew up in Oregon. Is you know, books take place there for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I'm trying, I feel like I'm not, well, we haven't talked about the end yet, so maybe we should go there. Sure. <laughs> uh, Sam, you were saying something about the end. I think, wait. I was. Yeah, you said something, oh, except for the end. I can't remember the context. Never mind. So. <laughs> oh, oh, about you know? how, it, how you're convinced that she's trying to help the patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her stretch is trying to help the patient. Okay. Until the end. I think she, she totally, you know, instead of recognizing, uh, you know, the, Billy, I mean, he, he loses his stutter. Yeah. You know, he's able, he's able to talk until she tears him apart. Yeah. You know, I, so it's like right then you realize like, okay, you know, you might believe that she was trying to do right for the patients for, for a lot of the movie, but at that point she was destroying him. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's no yeah, she's doubt power, about it. Power tripping big time on him. Yeah. Your mother and I are old friends, Billy. Right. Right. Oh. (laughs) That breaks some privacy rules right there, I would think. But I mean, do you think, so if you haven't seen it, again, watch it first. But so a big party happens. Billy loses his virginity because Murphy kind of engineers it. 
and everyone's really happy for him. But then the, the next morning, you know, the staff come back and, you know, they get everybody in line and she, yeah, she used, she does the power trip with his mom thing and he, Billy goes to get, get cleaned up and then presumably has, finds glass or whatever and he cuts himself and that's curtains for Billy, I presume. Right? I mean, yeah. did yeah. I read that wrong? Um, and that enrages McMurphy so much that he finally loses it and attacks Ratchet. He tries to choke her. And uh, the orderlies come and drag him off. And then, and then uh, in Retribution, she, well, he gets more uh, electrotherapy, like a massive amount of electrotherapy, and he's basically gone. No, no. No? Am I reading this that wrong, He gets a lobotomy. That's what the two scars are. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so it was a true lobotomy, not a, not just yeah. a little this, little that. Okay. So he gets a lobotomy, missing some frontal lobe there. <laughs> um, we, can, we can get to the ending, the very end, but... I mean, do you think that was just like, not justified, but do you think that was, I just thought it was interesting that that's what pushed him over the edge because again, if you, if you try to think about it from nurse Ratchet's perspective, yes, she was, yes, she was way over the line. Yes. She shouldn't have said that, but was it so agreed? I mean, did she cause his death? I guess that's the question. Did she, like Murphy thinks she caused his death. Do you, do you guys think yeah. she did? Yes. Yeah, I do too. I mean, in a court of law, would you be able to prove that? I don't think so. Probably not. Well, but it no, doesn't but change, I mean, like it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, even people, it. if you're going to try to put it in today, I mean, okay, so you know, he Ken Kesey's writing about a 1960s mental hospital, which is very different than you know, things are very different today. Um, but if you're going to put it in today's words, you're going to say, you know, the, the person who there was a, I think it wasn't it a woman who was texting her boyfriend that he should just kill himself. Yeah. She knew he mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. you know, depressive and she ended up going to court and I don't know if she won or not one, but you know, it, it doesn't matter what the court says. She crosses a line of decency that a normal human would be like, this is not the right thing to do, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, you know, and the thing is, is that it's wrong. Even if he does survive, even if he just cut himself a little bit and survived, what she did was wrong. And that, that wrongness is what, you know, everyone watching the movie feels, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's, you know, as, as someone who's supposed to be helping, she was hurting. Yeah. Which is why she's so evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the, I mean, there's not a lot of music in the whole movie, but I like how the book, there's like a theremin kind of a the goofy Mm-hmm. sound and it's, the movie starts with that um there's a car co- driving i don't know what the hell that's about i guess they're driving is that them driving from the work farm from the prison yeah mm-hmm. and that music isn't used again until the very last shot which is uh chief walking away right and it's kind of whimsical and weird i, I like that i like both that it wasn't used at all you know pretty much the rest of the movie mm-hmm. and then it sort of set the tone and then and then finished it as well with the same kind of weirdness anything we should say about the end i mean <laughs> yeah sure 
I mean, they we already warned people. Yeah, they set it up with him try, just doing a bet that he can't lift this thing. Is that what you mean by warn people? Yeah, we already told everyone to watch it. Watch oh, the show. They're, oh, they're used to us the it. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but I mean, as you know, as people have watched it, I think they warn you. They set you up for that because you know it's it's mentioned, and then he's going to try to pick this thing up and throw it out. And he said, "Well, at least I tried." And then Chief actually does it. He, you know, grabs it, throws it through the window, breaks out. After, um, you know, out of kindness i guess um smothers mcmurphy with a pillow and i guess yeah. um i don't know yeah it's, i don't know how to <laughs> i don't know how to talk about that because i don't know if i've you know i'm constantly trying to figure out if my feelings are what i'm supposed to be feeling but i don't think there are i don't think you are supposed to feel something in particular i think it's kind of open-ended how you're supposed to feel about that I mean, one, like, I don't, I, hopefully after you're lobotomized, yeah, you don't, you don't just linger on, you know, pointlessly, but, but with, well, I think that was, I think that was probably Chief's way of setting him free because, you know, they were always talking about leaving and escaping and being free. Mm-hmm. And well, he said, he says, he tells him he's going to take him with him. I'm going to take you with me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can't leave you here like this. Right. And then he smothers, smothers him with a pillow. Hmm. I'd like to see, like, if there was a difference in the, like, the play version, or probably not. No, I doubt it. <laughs> Just guessing. Never seen it. <laughs> yeah, think... it's a, it's a big fucking downer, man. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the other thing that we, we haven't talked about is, is is um you know that this this movie is one of those things that that had an effect for years and still does like i at least it, you know nurse ratchet is still referenced like oh yeah like people still reference that for you know kind of a, a villain within the medical system mm-hmm. um you know so but not only that it's it's you know they like i said the book was written you know early to early 60s um you know loosely based on things that, that ken kesey saw while, while working in a mental institution yeah um but you know the movie came out you know a, a, more than a decade later um and so it was you know even though it, you know people kind of knew it was old it actually had had um a huge impact on the psychiatric um community and that people who watched the film that there was a study later done that said that people had a negative attitude towards people with mental health issues and also the institutions and also electroconvulsive therapy you know all these things this was their only ex- real exposure to it, people's real exposure to it, which yeah. wasn't real. It was a movie, yeah. but it created that. So it's kind of like the jaws of <laughs> mental health movies, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, we, we still haven't gotten over jaws. People still <laughs> hate sharks for <laughs> having just seen that movie. So it's kind of, it's, it's interesting. I also think, you know, coming from at a, from a kind of psychiatric perspective too, is you, you talk about, 
okay, well, what, what diseases did, do people have? What disease does, does, um, does McMurphy have? What, you know, and, 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 in this, um, in this, um, movie, you don't really get the sense of if he does or doesn't, you know, that he, does he have antisocial personality disorder? Like, is he an irresponsible, impulsive guy? Like, sure, mm-hmm. who is dangerous, but does he really have a disorder? And that's not really explored at all. And and you could w- w- walk away from the movie thinking that, that he doesn't have any disorder. Well, they do have one scene there where the doctors are discussing his case, and the one guy is yeah. like, I don't think this dude's mentally ill at all. Right. And I think we should send him back. And, right, and then Nurse, Nurse Ratched's like, well, I think, I, can, <laughs> I think we can help him somewhere. Yeah. I think that was the moment I hated her the most. Yeah. Because you can see her, her pulling the strings, and you're like, oh, man. She's after him. I can't, I mean, I think that's what's great about Nicholson's performance, is that it, it's not ambiguous, but it's like, he doesn't. He doesn't really cross the line, you know. He he says a lot of um, off-color things, you know. He talks about the statutory rape case and stuff that he had, and so, but but doesn't seem to cross the line into at least I don't think into antisocial behavior because he doesn't. You know, he doesn't really burn bridges with the people around him. Right. Yeah. You know, he doesn't. He's he's trying to make it better, not worse. Well, that's the thing that I, that I love about it is that you realize sometimes his way is a better form of therapy for the rest of the patients than everybody else. Right. Like he 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 does have a way of uh, for bringing people together in some ways that that Nurse Ratched didn't. Yeah. And he's he's got that but look think, about him too. It's just <laughs> <laughs> that Nicholson look, you know, like he he looks like he's up to something even when he's not or even when he's doing something nice. He's got that little look and you're like, oh, is he? <laughs> you know, and and so much so that I can't believe that they would have considered these other people. I mean, well, the other people turned it down, I should say. Marlon Brando, Gene Hackman, Steve McQueen, Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, I, can't, I mean, I can't really picture any of them doing it like this. Yeah. But yeah, it's... It's a big deal for him. I mean, I don't know what he did before this. Uh, we know we know he and Brand- Brando did the that wonderful western later, but um, but isn't this his kind of breakout movie as far as? Well, no, I no? wouldn't say that. He was okay. nominated for Oscars before this. Okay, uh, he's got um, Chinatown first. He's got some other stuff first. Yeah. Yeah, this. I mean, this. I mean, sure. I'm sure it helped fuel an already successful career. What but if yeah, I, I said? Don't think, I don't think this was like. I don't know if you would call this a breakout role for him. Okay. I don't know. What if, I mean, what the if, last detail he won an Oscar. I think he won, or he was nominated. Chinatown. He's nominated. Five Easy Pieces. He was nominated. That was five years before. Okay. You know, he's an Easy Rider. Easy Rider was probably like. That was the. You know, his first, that was like, his, he was real discovered. big movie. Yeah. He had done some other small things, but that, that you know, 
he got recognized five and then five easy pieces you know a year later so yeah i mean this this was just another i think this was just another sort of triumph in an already escalating or skyrocketing (laughs) career you know in the 70s i mean to have those all those really great films under your belt and then do this and then do the Missouri breaks. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, I mean, this I, is yeah. a breakout role as far as him showing a, a, an angle of acting that he didn't have before. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. Not, yeah, I don't know about I that either. I, I feel like you went like from movie star to real is, is to even, big actor. Even five easy pieces is sort of, I, I look at them very similar. I didn't see that. What is it? I mean, um, it's what the is sequel it about? to Four Easy Pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Yeah. I mean, is it like this in as far as an ensemble, or is it more his it's, movie? No, I mean, it, no, it's more his film. It's just his performance is, I think of as similar. A little more subdued, you okay. know. I guess. I don't know. I mean, Jack Nicholson's range is not huge. You know, he's kind of playing Jack Nicholson for most of his films. It's just he does mm-hmm. it really fucking well in yeah. really great films. Yeah. You know, okay. it's because he's a leading man. That's just the way it is. He's not really a character actor. He's a leading man, but he's not He's not the the, the prototypical movie star yeah you know he's a good looking guy but he's you know shorter than right he's not like some, Paul Newman or Steve McQueen like a Paul Newman or, I mean wow or yeah I don't know I mean that te- when people aren't incredibly handsome it makes me think oh they must be really good actors especially <laughs> if, I mean I, I know it's silly to say that but I mean think about it if you get Especially with the today, you know, most people cast movies with, with that in mind. Like, oh, what's who's mm-hmm. the box office draw? But I mean, he. Was, I, I, I guess would argue that. I would say that was true for like the last forty years, but and maybe I'm thinking more of TV. But now I think like, like there's a lot of people who, who aren't necessarily good looking, who are just good actors. Like yeah. I actually appreciate it. Like I, I feel like. Like the the breadth of uh, the, the of characters in so many of the the series that you see the Netflix HBO and stuff and and I can't say that it's that you're totally wrong for movies just because they're not making movies at the same volume that they usually do um, you know with COVID but I, I feel like I feel like they've kind of gotten away from the really good looks and have people who who just play characters really well and i think that 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 seems more true now than it did 20 or 30 years ago so you're saying hollywood is going in the right direction yeah if you're if you're if you're if you're gonna say that acting should be it it also might be that maybe i've i've just stopped watching the stuff made for 13 year old boys yeah yeah that's, that's, probably, that's, that's, that's probably more true <laughs> yeah. because there's still i think america the american studio system tv and film is, is 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 a huge hugely guilty of this probably not as much as like the music industry is but like 
this notion that you have to be beautiful to be an actor or a musician is fucking ridiculous. And it's uniquely American, you know, or yeah. it's not uniquely American, but here it is worse than anywhere else, I think. And, but you're right. It, it, it's not just that anymore. And it used to be just that. And I, and, and what I found is what I, my opinion of it is that sort of the leftovers of that system, people like Brad Pitt, George Clooney, Tom Cruise, he's like, you know, incredibly handsome, you know, like perfect specimens of fucking humanity were, became good actors mm. through fucking practice and effort. You know, they didn't start out good. They were fucking terrible. George Clooney was a shit actor in his youth. <laughs> he was all fucking twitches and head bobs, you know. <laughs> um, Tom Cruise was always pretty good, I guess. But, you know, uh, Brad Pitt was fine, but he was more, he, you know, he was in his youth, he was a little more eccentric. But, you know, in, as he got older, he got better. And yeah. I mean, anyone who puts in the time and anything is going to get better at it, you know. But I think... I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought, but like, yeah. So like garbage TV, Sam, like you said, 13 year old, you know, geared towards 13. They're still casting like these incredibly beautiful people for whatever fucking reason who are terrible actors, you know, or, or not very good at all. Right. And I think it's silly. I think it's silly as hell. I mean, are, are, are the audience is so fucking stupid that they just want to see beautiful people playing these roles? I don't think so. I never, I don't, I, I don't know. Like I tried to watch the Wheel of Time. Did you guys watch that? No. It was like no, an Amazon, no. an Amazon series based on the books. Yeah. And it's so hard to watch because it's like all these incredibly beautiful people who are clean shaven, wearing makeup with perfect, perfect hair. It's supposed <laughs> to be like medieval. <laughs> you know, like, what the fuck? They, the, their clothes all look like they were tailored for them, especially the day before, you know, even though they slept in them for the last week in the story. You know, I, you know, shit like that just drives me crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I totally forgot what the fuck I'm rambling about. No, you're, you're, you're on there because I think that's what we're saying is we're talking about the meritocracy of, or, you know, the hopeful, hopefully yeah. meritocracy of Hollywood because we want to see the best possible stories told in the best possible way. And sure. You, you might have like, even like the transformers franchise, which is not based on a lot of acting. It's just a lot of <laughs> dizzying effects and camera movement yeah. and shit, you know? Um, but I mean, it started with a pretty, you know, uh, Shia LaBeouf and yeah, like he, he's a pretty good actor. Yeah. He's a good actor. You know? And I, th I think that, He's a mess, I, but I remember, he's a good yeah, actor. he's a mess. He's a mess. But I liked that first one because of him. Yeah. I liked him in that. And then it kept going and I was like, well, I, it's less about him. It was, like, about, it was like one of the very you know, few interesting things about those first couple of, or any of those movies. Yeah. It's like, why? They cast sort of a Dorcas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It worked Which is me. great. It was like yeah. the only thing that was worth, <laughs> you know, that yeah. made those movies watchable. And then they're like, not nah, Mark Wahlberg. You're like, oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Get a bankable star. It doesn't really matter. Right. And when you spend, you know, a few hundred million dollars on, on effects, you probably don't have as much left for the actors. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man. So how, I mean, we saw it when I, well, actually, I don't, I think I was 20 something when I first saw this. I don't know. 
Yeah. I think you have to be somewhat. I don't know. Well, I don't. I just don't know if you'd want to watch it if you weren't in, if you weren't into drama. You know. Hmm. If you haven't seen this, that's what you're in for. You, you know, it's not going to be. Obviously, it's not action. It's it moves pretty quick though. I I was at first I was like, wow, it's over two hours, and then I looked up and I was almost done. I'm like, wow, what what else is yeah. there? Yeah, it doesn't feel slow. Mm-mm. Even though not a ton happens. Yeah. It's just really engaging. You know, it's so diverting. You just watch, you just get sucked right into it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I, I, there's some weird formula, but I mean, obviously, really good acting. Um, not letting the actors br- do what they, what they do and not, not doing a lot of extra directing i guess if you would call yeah. it i don't know what i'm talking yeah. about but um, oh, i agree like just step back and let your fuck you know i mean they some some people say that like 90 percent of a director's job is casting or like 90 percent of a, a film's success is casting or something you know or whatever percentage and i i tend to agree with that you know it's like you, you cast it you cast the best the best people there are and then just stand back and let them do their fucking thing yeah like if you read about um uh the the what hell's that the benedict cumberbatch western that just came out power of the dog yeah which i haven't seen i recommend it yeah but i i read a a short blur you know a little a blurb with the director i forgot her name Um, yeah yeah jane campion um she's like i didn't really know what Benedict Cumberbatch was going to do. I just knew he was a great actor and she just sort of stepped back and let him do his thing, you know, just yeah. like let him go. He yeah. created the yeah. character. He created the performance. He did it and he's good at it. So just get out of the way, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a sign of a, a confident, mature director who's smart enough to just get the fuck out of the way. Yeah. Well, we haven't really mentioned the director, um, Miles Foreman. you know, Miles Foreman very much just as far as the other stuff that he did. But mm-hmm. I mean, He's got a couple it, of masterpieces uh, under his belt. Unbelievable career. I mean, Amadeus also oh, yeah. was won eight Oscars. I mean, come yeah. on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Hair was was, um, you know, kind of a a mix, but I think think something that that stuck around. Um, People versus Larry Flint, Man mm-hmm. on the Moon. Yeah, I mean, he he. Got a lot. I mean, you might not like People versus Larry Flint because you don't like Larry Flint, but he did get nominated for sure. Best Director for it. Yeah. Um, and he got, you know, know, in Milos Forman's, he, he gets these really great performances out of actors, especially yeah. someone, you know, like Man on the Moon. I mean, Jim Carrey was already starting to sort of evolve into an actor more than a comedian by Man on the Moon because he had already done... Um, uh, what the fuck? Mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, mask, Truman, yeah. the Truman Show. Truman Show, yeah. yeah. And Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, I think, was before right. Man on the Moon, right? That's on my list. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, did people really have the respect, or did people really respect Woody Harrelson as an actor before People versus Larry Flint? Uh. I, I mean, I'm sure people did, but I feel like that was a big step forward for him as an actor. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like the million dollar proposal, indecent proposal, whatever the hell it is. When he just <laughs> yeah. basically plays Woody Boyd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, give people the chance to right. surprise you. Yeah. 
So I think he he deserves credit for that at least. You know, just step step aside and let let your you, you cast these people for a reason. You know, let them go. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> Woody Harrelson was coming off a of kingpin. You know, when he did the People versus <laughs> <Harry Flint. laughs> of all fucking things. You know, I mean, he had done Natural Born Killers, but that I don't really count that because I hate it. But you know. <laughs> Well, he white doesn't have to act very much. Yeah, White Man Can't Jump was a big hit, but he, he plays a doofus, yeah. kind of, you know. Right, and, also not a stretch. Know. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like People versus Larry Flint was sort of a, you know, going out on a limb for him, yeah. you know. Like, all right, let's see what this kid can do. Or, yeah, I know, vaguely maybe. remember being surprised by that Yeah. casting. And he was great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just All right. Go well, ahead. before we move on to the oh. next thing, yes, yeah, there is one more double up we didn't mention. Yeah, yeah, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, was in Clue. Clue. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Professor Plum. Uh, yeah. I didn't do my homework. I don't know if the interns did, but yeah, there might be some other overlap. I don't. I don't really know. Yeah, I didn't do my, Can't be my homework on it either. <laughs> we got the three obvious ones. Yeah. Listeners, if you know of a double up and we missed it, call us on that carpet or whatever. Where you know. could they email us? <laughs> the film with three brains at gmail.com. Ah, <laughs> oh, cracks me up. All right, you want to know what we're doing next? Sure. No. Okay. Go Don't ahead. tell Keep us. Keep it a secret. <laughs> well, you know what? There's no clue I could give this that I think that you guys would get it. Oh. Wow. So. Are we, I'll you, just, so you're saying it's obscure? The biggest giveaway is it's a Studio Ghibli. Oh, movie. okay. That's a big, that's a pretty big giveaway there. It is, but I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know that you guys go that deep into their, uh, okay, into their, I uh, don't, filmography. So nope. I get confused who, which studio does what, but, um, it's that one with the big puffy thing that's <laughs> <laughs> spirited away. No, but castle on the sky. I like that one. Uh, yeah, Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, no, I'm thinking of it. Um, it's a what big just puffy. Gonna, I was gonna name them. Yeah, is that what you're doing? You're just gonna name yeah, them? Yeah, I'm just, just throwing them out. <laughs> name them all. Just name them. Anything uh, I can think of. Princess Mononoke. Yeah, that one. That uh, one's a good one. Howl's Moving uh, Spirited Away. No, 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 no. Um, no the big, a big like puffy thing that's like is a bunch of. Oh, what the hell! It's like a I secret love that friend. You keep, I love it. You keep saying the big puffy thing. Yeah, it's like it's gonna. Panyo? What is it? Is it Panyo? Is that what you're thinking of? Is that the big? Uh, puffy I never thing? saw that one. Uh, no, that's the water one. Anyway, no, it's their second movie. All right. Um, Grave of the Fireflies. I never even heard of it. You are correct. We right. have not seen that movie. Yes. <laughs> a movie that you guys have not, none of us have seen. Oh, you haven't seen it either? All right. No. Okay. No, but I've seen a lot of their other ones. So that's why I was like, oh, I'm going back, see what kicked this whole thing off or near it. Nice. Anyway. All right. Well, that's it. I'm Grave out. Grave of the Got nothing more for you. Well, hold yep. on. Let's figure out where we can... <laughs> Let's see where our uh, our fan can watch it. It'd be funny if it wasn't available anywhere in the world. <laughs> uh, 
Well, yeah, I, I'm sure I will come back to the big puffy thing as well. So <laughs> put a stamp on that. Uh, it does. It appears it is only available as a rental or purchase. All right, we can rent it. Drat. Yeah, three bucks. Three bucks. There you go. Although it's uh, according to Real Good, it's only on iTunes and Vudu. Okay, well, hmm. Vudu works, I guess. Interesting. Or iTunes is it. odd. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you can rent it for three or four bucks, or buy it for eight or nine or ten or something. I don't know. Hmm. Hope it doesn't suck. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Because all those other movies are dumb and I hate them. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I would think you're kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Did we we hear the uh, movie buff line yet? He alluded to it. I don't know. He may just be lurking again. He ghosted us. <sighs> well, he left the best episode we've ever done a little prematurely. Yeah. This is you guys still talking? <laughs> <laughs> Did you flew, yeah. fly out of the cuckoo's nest or prematurely? Yeah, I needed to pee. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, then. Thanks for listening. Yeah, this has been the film you. with three brains. See you next time. What? You guys did <laughs> Stay sane, y'all. This was a very long recording.